Hi everybody, this is Lori and I am the CEO and founder of Inclusivity and we are a company devoted to kindness and justice and sustainable fashion. And right now we are working on an auction with artists called Artists Who Share and the auction is raising money both for the artists and for coronavirus recovery. And one of our wonderful artists is Melanie Israel. And Melanie is from Argentina and joins us today on the podcast. And this is our podcast, Inclusiva Talks. Melanie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to see you. Yes, I can say the same. I think the pandemic situation mm -hmm. brought us together through virtuality at least. Yes. So Melanie and I first met when I was in Grinnell, which um, I went to college in Grinnell, and I was there talking to a class about starting a company, and Melanie happened to be sitting in the class and is a tremendous textile artist and creative, uh, sustainable fashion guru, and so I wanted to uh, get to know her better. She came and visited us in Minneapolis. We hope to work together even more closely in the future, but for right now, she's creating a work for our auction. So Melanie, I want to start by just asking you if you can tell us how you got to where you are with your art. When did you first realize you were an artist? When did you first start creating? Um, I didn't realize it until I was older, but I can say that since I was really little, I, I played with fabrics, with towels from the bathroom, with rugs. I just played with everything on my body. I used to play as I was dressing as, I don't know, um, somebody else or a princess or a, that I was doing my own clothes, mm -hmm. just with what I had handy. And then as I started um, growing up and deciding on uh, what I was going to wear, I realized that I could change the way the clothes looked like. Mm -hmm. So even though I didn't have the tools and the machines to change them, I, I had somebody that I knew that had a sewing machine. So uh, I took her the clothes that I wanted to change and she would do it for me. And it was a game. It was just a game. Uh, and I remember when I was in high school, every weekend, I would play with my fabrics and clothes and try them on and change them. Uh, and I think it was when I was 19 years old, I was already in the university studying something else. And I realized that I should be studying what I really love and become have that game become my lifestyle and even though the university path was really hard and it was not encouraging i found my way so did and nowadays i i can enjoy what i do so did you switch majors and and what was that that like that process i started studying anthropology mm -hmm. and but during that time that I was studying anthropology, I felt that there was something missing in my life, some sort of creativity and creative moments and using my hands for something that I enjoy. Uh, we have such a power in our hands and I was not using that. Um, and I remember telling my parents, I think I will change majors. 
which here is a little bit different than in the US. It's like you kind of change the university that you are going. You change, like you start over. Oh, okay. I remember so telling my father, hey, I think I'm going to change my major. And he was like, finally, you realize. <laughs> so, so he was encouraging. <laughs> yes. So your parents were really supportive of you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. During my, my whole process, they were really supportive. It was hard. I didn't sleep. It was a lot of work. A lot of money also, even though I went to public university, the materials were expensive. They were really supportive. Okay. And so what was your um, college experience like? What, what classes did you particularly like? What was it like as far as your growth as a textile artist? Um, so here we cannot choose the, top, the um, subjects, topics, and classes that we take. Um, we have just one, there's, if we have 32 classes to take, to be taken, we can choose just two, I think. Okay. Uh, all of the classes or most of them are last the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I, well, as I got older, during the university, I knew I, I wanted to do something related to sustainability, but I didn't have the option during the classes. It was not something that they talked about. Um, so I tried to do things as sustainable as I could, but I didn't have the experience or anybody to look as, some, as an example. Um, so I tried as, as much as I could. I had a lot of things from my grandmothers and my great-grandmothers that I loved to use during that path. Actually, my, my thesis uh, has a, a lot to do with my grandmothers. Mm-hmm. I did um, a brand of um, home decoration, mm-hmm. and most of the fabrics that I made uh, were either inspired or the materials that I use came from my grandmothers um, or other natural um, fabrics that I made. It, it was a, a variety of things, but I made it personal also. Yeah. So what now, after graduating from college, um, what are you doing now? What's, your, what's sort of your path now? Um, nowadays, I work as a designer in the Sarme, which is a collective in which we, we work as sustainable textile designers. We are two designers um, that are working full-time, and there are other people that are working um, as much as they can with uh, visual arts, uh, media, uh, photography, and what we do is encourage people to question fast fashion and the whole system. We encourage them to question patriarchy, capitalism, on fashion stereotypes. The way we do this is through workshops, mm-hmm. through the service. We, give, uh, we provide the service of recycling and upcycling clothes. Mm-hmm. We um, teach classes, we give tutorials, um, and we call ourselves a collective 
to the inside and to the outside because the audience have um, a, a big, um, the, we, all, we encourage them to participate in our um, actions and in our classes and we have something that it's called a conver conversatory. I don't know if it applies in English as the same concept. It's like giving a lecture, but it's an interactive lecture. We, are, we don't have the monopoly of the world. We just give questions and provide a safe environment for the audience to think, discuss, and explore ways to think about what it's obvious, what it's out there, but you haven't questioned. For example, your clothes. Where do your clothes come from? Who made them? Under which conditions? Uh, what is the, how do you obtain cotton or polyester? What is actually a sustainable fabric? So we give a lot of questions and there's never just one correct answer. I love this, Melanie, because as you know, that's one of the things we care about a lot. And we're starting to talk more and more about that, about how do we make fashion choices? How do we cut back on our fashion choices? How do we upcycle safely um, in ways that don't, that don't hurt the environment? How do, we, how do we talk about fashion? I love that you guys are doing that. And you're, you do that in Spanish in Argentina, correct? Exactly. Um... We can adapt everything to English, but we do it in Argentina. Um, and actually, we had people from the U.S. that were here participating in our conversatory. And, and they handled it very good. Nice. So is it in person usually? Or is it, over, um, is it online? Uh, it's, it is in person. It was in person before the pandemic. We have our workshop in which people come and learn how to recycle their clothes. We go to fairs, we go to different events you know, uh, to give uh, these classes and conversatories. But nowadays, we, we ask everybody, we are online, we are giving these conversatories, classes and tutorials through Instagram, through our Instagram and through YouTube and also through Zoom, some classes. Um, yeah, as everybody, we adapted. <laughs> so at, at, throughout this process, in addition to clothing, have you made other pieces of art as well? And have you focused on sustainability when you've created other projects as well? Yes. Um, we had also made um, costumes and we so we also do things that people ask us to do for example somebody asks us to do um huge curtain for their house yeah. so we use recycled fabric um we do for our we live together with uh, the friend with the other designer uh, so we do things for our house using recycled fabrics um I think 90% of our house is fabrics. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Do you have a favorite project that you've done, Melanie? Um, ah, 
I can't think about one. We do so many things in one day that our days are like 20 hours being active. Um, I don't know. Lately, this past month, we, we taught in a school, which was new in a high school. So I think that project was really interesting for us because we didn't before that we didn't have such a young um audience as as a whole it was always diverse and so i know you asked me about a textile project but i think this one uh, was the the one that the like yeah the newest and it surprised us the results because people the kids were really involved Oh, that's, that's terrific. And um, my daughter actually taught her first college class this year. And she said the kids who took her class, which was all about equity and prejudice. And um, it was online. And she said the people who took it were so engaged that she feels more hopeful, even in spite of what's going on right now. She feels yeah. hopeful because the students were so engaged with what she was doing. And it sounds like that was your experience too, is that the students were really highly engaged. Yeah. Because I think that nowadays education is more about the experience that you get and how you make it personal. When I went to school, I had just to study what they told me and there was not a lot of exploration and it didn't, they didn't care about my personal interests. Right. And what we do in the Sarame, it's all about your perspective as a consumer. We encourage people to be more active as consumers and more conscious, but because there's not one way to do it. And the path is to start this path is to start questioning. It's so personal that people engage because it's okay, there's no expectation. It's just me starting to question, picking up your favorite clothes, looking to them, to the label trying to understand what it's, what it says. So Melanie, if you could give us, let's say that I came in and I said, I know nothing about any of this. This is brand new to me. I'm just stepping in the door of even thinking about fashion. What would be two tips that you'd say right off the bat? Here are two things you can do right now that will make a difference. Here are two things that you can start to notice. What would you, what advice would you give for that? The first one would be, a list of questions before buying something new. I would, if, if you really want something, to buy something, uh, I would first of all think, um, who made these clothes? Under which conditions? What is it made of? And do I really need this cloth? Really, do I need it? Or I, do I have something really similar? I think, Questioning before doing every, anything, it's really important. Mm -hmm. um, because there's, I mean, I don't want to defeat fast fashion. No, it, it's never going to stop. But if we take, we are in control of our actions, it's going to make a difference. Melanie, if I wanted to get information about where my clothing was made and who made it and what the conditions were, how do I, as a consumer, how do I do that? So any clothes should have a label in the inside, uh, in the sewing line from the lateral, in the lateral, 
in the inside of the clothes, it should have a label which says the way that you should wash it and clean it and dry it. Mm-hmm. It should have um, the, na- the country where it was made, the name of the fabric that, uh, the, the industry that, um, that sew it also or that sells it. Um, in Argentina, it also has the, the numeric information of the brand also. And once you start looking at these labels, you will, you will see that maybe it was made in China. The industry is settled in the US, but it's being sold in Ecuador. So that's when you, as a consumer, realize, start realizing how, like how big this, like the path of making one piece of clothes is so big. Um, it can go through the whole world, actually. Mm-hmm. And the conditions in which it was made, maybe if you see a lot of labels in your wardrobe and you realize that most of them have been made in Taiwan or in China, okay, that's a really important piece of information. Because if it's made in another country and most of your, your clothes are made there, so it may be possible that they are being made in those countries because it's more um, cheap, <laughs> cheaper. So if it's cheaper under this system, it's because they are not paying them correctly. And most of the clothes are made in Bangladesh and it's where the country that is polluted, polluted the most under, in, in, I mean, in, in social terms. and. Uh, ecologic terms. So Melanie, if I wanted to look online and find a list of companies or create clothing manufacturers that tend to have better practices, is that available just through a Google search? Yes. Okay. Um, so as a consumer, I can start doing research. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the name, so Fashion Revolution, the Fashion Revolution, it's um, an organization of s- slow fashion mm-hmm. that it's around the world. Uh, many countries are, have their own um, slow fashion week. And mm-hmm. this organization um, provides a list of companies that are um, sustainable. Nice. In different ways. Yep. Okay, that's terrific to know. So, Melanie, when you were um, growing up, oh, one more tip. So, in addition to do your research, pay attention to your clothing, check the labels, and do your research. What's one other thing that you would just say? And you know, here as a consumer, look at this or do this. Here's one thing you can do. Um, believe in your creativity. Uh, there's always a way in which you can reuse your clothes. Clothes last more than what we have been told they last. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a way in which you can re- reuse it or at least use the fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do a lot in the Sarme is to change. Maybe I had a shirt that I like the pattern, but we I have, like, it's 
dirty and I cannot take the um the stains. The stains. So maybe I can cut the pattern and apply it to another shirt. Mm -hmm. Or use that pattern to make a shirt bigger. Mm -hmm. There's always a way. And if you cannot do it because you don't have um you don't want to or you don't have a sewing machine or you don't want to sew by hand, you can ask somebody else that can do if they can do it. Okay. So it's That's like having a new piece of clothes. I love that. That's a great piece of advice. So Melanie, besides sustainable fashion, what are your, what else do you love? What else, what are your other interests? I love being outside, but we are in a pandemic. <laughs> so I really miss that. And it's here in Argentina, it's getting, we are getting into winter. So it's getting colder. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Even though I have a yard, it's, I miss that. Um, I, I love talking, actually. I love talking with people and listening to their perspectives. Um, so besides the pandemic in which I cannot go out and talk to people through the settlement and also through my private life, I'm still doing it. And I think it's so interesting to, to listen to others, like to talk about what, the same topic, but through these different perspectives, we can learn so much. Do you do any other kind of art besides textiles, besides fabric? Uh, yes, I dance. I love dancing. Um, you do what? Dance. Oh, dance. Okay. I thought you mm -hmm. So I just misunderstood huh. you dance. I know that because I've seen you dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's such a releasing uh, practice. I also do yoga, mm -hmm. but dance is so fun. Dancing is so fun. Are you still dancing? Um, a little bit in my house. Yeah, that's a good thing. Mm, yeah, it's, so, yeah, yeah. Melanie, you're creating something for the auction. And have you, um, are you thinking about what you're creating? Have you started working on it? What's your, what's your thought process? What's your plan? Yes. Um, so because it's going to be a um, panel applied to a, to a shirt uh, or into a frame, mm -hmm. we thought about um, taking a picture in movement of um, um, dress and mask that we made all out of recycled fabrics um, because we like to uh, to put together what people think it's ugly but put it in a present it in a beautiful way mm -hmm. because sometimes people say like oh this old shirt is so ugly but you can actually do something beautiful with that mm -hmm. and most of the fabrics that we get are from industry that they throw them away as if it was trash. So we had made this beautiful dress and a mask uh, because we don't think it's important for the, the face to be shown in this case. Um, so out of trash, we made a beautiful outfit. So we want to take a picture in movement so it's more fun and attractive um, to be shown in the in the panel. Okay. So you'll send me a digital picture mm -hmm. and then we'll print it on the panel. Mm -hmm. That sounds beautiful. 
I'm excited to see it. I think it'll be a fun addition to the, to the auction. So Melanie, if you had to give a piece of advice to young artists coming up or to, to young creatives coming up, what would you say? I would say, um, think about what makes you authentic. I think authenticity is the most important value nowadays. It's what is like trendy to be authentic. There's no more, or at least I think there's no more um, just one way to be an artist. I think it was before more structure. And nowadays, it's, if you have something to say, you can say it in an artistic way. It could be something political. It could be something with nature. It could, what you have in your mind, it's important. And the way you can show it, uh, you, you need to, to believe the way that you want to show this. Um, that's my piece of advice. I like that a lot. And <laughs> what, what's your, um, if you had to describe your, sort of what's at your core, your core philosophy, your core belief, um, the things that, that keep you going and sort of drive you? What would you, how would you describe those? Hmm. Um, I like to think like, um, like when you do mind mapping in which you relate a lot of um, ideas, mm -hmm. whenever I do something, I like to think like that or to picture, uh, like if I do, if, if I produce this shirt, Mm -hmm. What are the consequences? What I'm, um, what I, what's something, am I recycling something? Am I saving energy? Am I mm -hmm. um, providing something new to the world? Um, because I don't think in a straight line. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about that, that, that both of us kind of think in a, almost just spider web, that mm -hmm. there are so many different things going on at once. And um, it's, it can be a challenging way to think, but it's also an exciting and fun way to think. So for you, it sounds like you like to, your life philosophy is look at all the angles and try to see everything, everything that's going on. Not yeah. Really. Okay. Thank you for, for making that clear. <laughs> well, I hope that's accurate. If it's not, you absolutely. Yes, it is. It is like that, and it's that's also the reason why I like to work in with people and and do group work because it's richer. Yeah, yeah, that collaboration is huge. Mm -hmm. It's really important. So, Melanie, if you were going to tell us a story about your life and just any story that it doesn't have to have a lesson, it can, but it doesn't have to. Just a story that you you feel is yours. So if you look back at your life and you pick out a story that's yours, can you tell us a story? Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell the story in which I decided to go back to the Sarme. <laughs> because the Sarme started in December 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was there from February 2018 until... Uh, August 2018, and then I left. I was in Argentina and I left the country for a year. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was working actually in the US where I met you. Um, 
and for uh, in July 2019, I was working in Vermont. I was working in a college. I was in the middle of nowhere, and I went to uh, for a walk, and I was thinking what I want to do with my life, mm-hmm. and I was like actually talking to a cow, I think, because we had cows there in Vermont. <laughs> And I realized that I wanted to go back to, come back to Argentina and put all my energy in sustainable fashion and to grow as an artist and a designer. Mm -hmm. So I just called my friend and told her like, hey, I'm going back to Argentina and I'm fully dedicating myself to the settlement and we will make this huge and we will succeed. And when my job was over, I came back and we started living together and it grew up more than we expected. That's the story that I will share. That's a good story. And, and I like that you were talking to a cow. Cows <laughs> are very wise. So very good advice there. It sounds like you are just doing, doing well. And it sounds like you are so passionate about what you're doing, which I think makes such a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. The last question I really want to ask you, Melanie, unless you have anything else you want to talk about, the last question I really want to ask you is why sustainable fashion? So why is that so important to you? How did you get to that point where you knew that that was where your heart was? Um. I think that during my whole life, I always had this question of why are we producing so many things or why are we, for example, eating things that are not good for our body? So I was, since I was little, I was always trying to think or do the alternative ways. And while I was in college, um, I didn't know how to do it, but I was always pissed off the fact that I had to print so many um, um, things in general and to buy so many fabric. Um, I was taught that the way to do it was in that way. So I realized that there was, there must be a way of doing things differently. Mm-hmm. And because I was studying textile design, I started thinking, okay, how can I do this in a way that doesn't uh, create so much damage to the world and to people? Yeah. Um, so, because before I didn't find myself as a textile designer, producing more clothes, producing more fabrics, um, and especially in the ways that textile designers and sewing, people that sew work, which is terrible. So little by little, I started realizing that there is a way to produce, that it's not just producing more, but producing differently. Mm-hmm. And I worked on a NGO that worked on ethical fashion. Okay. And it was not what I expected, but it gave me the, um, the tools and the, um, the security to, to realize that 
there is a way to do things differently. So I just then started looking for my own path and way to produce. So it sounds like for you, fashion was always something you loved, that, that creating looks from towels before you had anything else. So that's always, you've been a designer your whole life. But for you, realizing that there was a way to be a designer and protect the earth was the key to finding your path. Because for you, it had to be both. They, they, they had to go together. That's what I was saying before, the web netting. Was it, is that the word, web netting? No. Um, the net in which you think about all the things at the same time? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, yes, the um, um, mapping. I, I would call it almost um, idea mapping, or um, I personally think of it as spider web, but I know exactly what you mean. Spider web. That's what you said, spider web. Um, because we don't live in a world in which we don't live in an island. There's right. not there's anything that can be thought as, as a thing by itself. Yeah. I like that a lot. Very creative. So Melanie, anything else you want to talk with us about while you're here? Um, I, I will say that I'm really excited about the auction and about the fact that there are so many people involved in this and that it's, um, again, that we are, we have artists, designers, um, a lot of creative people working for um, equality and kindness. And because it's so interdisciplinary, there everybody. I think everybody will learn something yeah. from this experience. Yeah, and I'm I'm I feel the same way, Melanie, and I'm so happy that you're here. Um, because, you know, we, as I think I've mentioned to you, we have artists from six different countries represented and from every ethnic group that we can think of. And it's just an exciting, it's a very exciting time. And it's a really exciting auction. And I'm so glad you're a part of it. And we can't wait to see what you do, because I think it will be something really interesting and completely unique, which I love. So thank you. Thank you. for Thank being you for having us. Well, it's such a pleasure and thank you for being here. And I'm looking forward to the time where we um, collaborate even more, but we can't wait to see the auction item. And um, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. And it was a pleasure to talk to you. And to everyone else, thanks for being here. And this was Melanie Israel from Argentina. And the, the collective is Desarme. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Desarme Collective. Desarme Collective, which is on Instagram. And mm -hmm. also Facebook as well? Yes, and YouTube. And YouTube, and it's D-E-S-A-R-M-E. -E. Is that right, Melanie? Mm -hmm. Dot C-O-L-E-C-T-I-V-O. All right, perfect. Thank you so much, Melanie. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.